Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Talking Tribe with Jordan Meshin. I'm Andrew Kastrovitz and uh, JB. You're in Arizona. I'm out in Florida. How are things in Arizona, buddy? Everything's good, man. You're all the way over in Florida. This is a cross-country podcast. I know. I like it. We cover a lot of ground on this podcast. We're going to cover a lot of ground as it pertains to the Indians, too. And, uh, boy, big news this week. Uh, Michael Brantley back on the field made a rousing return in his first Compact 
uh, mechanically sound swing that he feels like he can get his swing ready very, very quickly. You know, not a guy that needs four weeks of at-bats. Sometimes it just takes him a week you know, or a handful of at-bats. As he showed in his debut, I mean, he's right on time with that swing. And I think what was very important, too, is the next day, talking to hitting coach Ty Van Berkeley, I said, what's the part of the swing you're monitoring the most? He said it's the follow-through, you know, because the lead shoulder of the left-hander swing is so critical. He said that's been totally consistent and strong. There's been no give. And have, if there were any give, you know, they wouldn't be letting him ramp up with the intensity and volume that he has. So at the end of the year last year, he kind of, the way he worded it, was kind of alligator-armed the end of his swing. And you just hasn't seen that from Brantley this, this spring. He's looked, you know, in Van Berkeley's eyes, like the Brantley that we're all used to seeing. The other big news, of course, in the outfield uh, since we last spoke, J.B., is the Marlin Bird signing. Break that down for us and what that means for the outfield picture. Right, yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think Francona's also kind of handled this one well because he understands that when you add a veteran player late in camp when there's an ongoing competition, it's not always going to sit well with the players, especially those who are competing for the job that you may all of a sudden be affecting. So he was very careful, uh, Francona was, to sort of, not speak of Bird in a way like he's he's on the team, you know, really being vague about the type of role he can play. But I think when you just look at Bird's skill set, it's a guy who offers right-handed power, uh, especially against left-handed pitching, and can play corner outfield. And as we've broken down ad nauseum um, over the last few weeks on these podcasts, you know, they're looking to exploit platoon advantages, especially in the event that Brantley might not be available. So if even if Brantley is available, Bird is a guy who could potentially uh, partner with Chisholm in right field. You could even see a scenario where Bird starts the game uh, in you know against left-handed pitching. Maybe late in the game, you bring Chisholm for defense. And you know, there's kind of this debate on you know uh, Marlon Bird versus Colin Cowgill. Cowgill offers plus defense to play center field, but doesn't offer the same type of power that Bird has. You know, and Bird, obviously, it was not as good as Cowgill defensively. So you kind of got to weigh, you know, what are you, what's most important to this team right now? And right-handed power is obviously the, the buzzword among so many people when talking about the Indians and their offense. Um, so I think that's where he could kind of fit. And his right-handed splits are not terrible. They're not as great as him facing lefty pitching. Um, but facing right-handers, you could, I could see a scenario if Mike Napoli's own platoon issues of the past facing right-handed pitching, if that comes into play, I could see Bird taking some DH at-bats and moving to Santana to first base. So there's a little flexibility here bringing in a guy with that kind of skill set. The challenge now is seeing is there enough time to get him ready uh, for opening day. Just from a number standpoint, if Brantley and Bird are both on the opening day roster, does that squeeze uh, Tyler Naquin? If I mean, we obviously didn't know if he's going to be on the roster to begin with, but obviously... Uh, when you're a young guy, you're, you're kind of on the periphery. Uh, would that make whatever chances he had of cracking the open day roster slim to none? What do you think of Aikman's uh, outlook in general here? Yeah, you know, I think that'll be an interesting one. I don't think it necessarily squeezes Aikman out of the mix. He's a guy who throughout the minor leagues has really proven that he can hit right-handed pitching. And again, if they're going to look to maximize platoon advantage, you, know, you could pair him with Rajay Davis in center field, uh, if they want to have Roger Davis be an everyday guy in center field, you know, then maybe they keep Naquin in the minors to get everyday at bats. Um, but Roger Davis is a guy that they signed with the idea that while he could fill in as an everyday guy, they also like him as sort of a platoon guy, a guy who can play multiple outfield spots 
and a guy who has done that backup outfield role in the past and has excelled in it. So, you know, I'm not sure 100% that they want to open with him as a as a full-time, everyday center fielder, given some of his own splits. So there's a scenario where you could have Brantley full-time and left, Davis and Naquin splitting the time in center, and maybe Chisholm and Bird or Calgill or whoever splitting time in right, and still have a bench that works with Jose Ramirez, who can move all around the infield and play some left field and center field in a pinch if needed. Uh, so there's sort of a bunch of moving parts, but you can kind of see how this puzzle is coming together and how that type of scenario could still include Tyler Naquin, who's arguably been the most impressive outfielder in camp this spring. Yeah, seems like it's going to be one of those deals where uh, if you don't like the Indian outfield alignment one night, maybe come back the next night. You'll, you'll have <laughs> right. A whole different group to look at. Um, all right, so we talked about one old guy uh, signed uh, here in, uh, in uh, Marlin Bird. Uh, the other one they've signed recently is Juan Uribe. And haven't mm-hmm. seen much of him in camp because of visa issues. How big of a concern is that in terms of his preparedness for the for the regular season? Yeah, we asked that we asked that to Francona the other day, um, just because you know you add up the days and it amounts to about two weeks missed here in spring for a guy that's supposed to be a, a regular part of the lineup. And uh, Francona said that you know he'd be lying to us if he said there wasn't some level of concern. But a lot of times, you know, kind of similar to Bird when you're talking about a veteran player who's played as long as those guys have. They know what it takes to get ready. Um, their swings sometimes don't require a lot of at-bats to get to where they're feeling good. And one thing they could do with Uribe when they open the year is potentially play Jose Ramirez at third base a little bit, especially they like him better from the left side. He's a switch hitter. Um, so you could potentially play him there a little bit, sit Uribe against some tough righties, you know, give him some time to continue to sort of ease into that workload. Um, and then, you know, continue to monitor what Urshela is doing down in the minor leagues. You know, we've kind of joked around here that Urshela looks like he's trying to make the team while Uribe was down in the Dominican sort of through his visa issues. But the Indians have loved seeing that. It hasn't changed any of the plans. They want him to get to AAA and get some at-bats and continue to prove that he's healthy and can be the type of offensive player that they believe he can develop into. Um, but it hasn't changed any plans. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, a guy like Uribe, you can talk and talk about how much time he's missed and concerns and all this stuff, and then we may get to opening day and maybe he'll smack a couple homers and shut us all up. You know, <laughs> some funny how that happens sometimes. Uh, last thing, J.B., we have not talked uh, too much about the bullpen uh, battle here on these podcasts uh, or the bullpen uh, group in general, but uh, Dan Otero, you wrote a bit about him and mm-hmm. basically how the Indians view this guy as, as a bounce-back candidate, kind of an under-the-radar signing, and uh, basically you know, chalking up 2015 struggles as a fluke, right? Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I, I really went deep into his season last year looking for why it went wrong. You know, I mean, I was looking at heat maps. I was looking at splits. I was looking at percentages of his pitches, and just there really wasn't much to explain – why his hit rate soared and why all of a sudden for the first time in his career he gave up home runs. But the only thing I could find was you know, a, a little more elevation of his sinker within the strike zone. And that kind of goes back to something he said, which was he felt he just didn't command as well inside the strike zone um, as he has in previous years. I mean, he had a 2.01 ERA from 13 to 14 and then posted a 6.75 ERA uh, last year. He gave up seven home runs last year. and I think he had given up four home runs in the big leagues 
in his career prior to last season. So really it's just a ground ball guy who was working in front of an Oakland defense that rated as one of the worst defenses in baseball a year ago. Sometimes those guys are going to be prone to giving up uh, more hits, and then that's going to lead to more situations where you might become more prone to giving up a home run. Um, he, When you look at all pitchers in the big leagues last year who threw at least 45 innings, he ranked first in the majors in first pitch strike percentage. So that's something they really like. They like his ability to pound the strike zone, work ahead, get ground balls, and get right-handers out. You know, So he's on the roster. He was acquired via trade. And he's a guy who, you know, right now I would kind of envision in the bullpen. Frank Conos talked about him, similar to how they used Scott Atchison in the past, a guy who can kind of keep the score right where it is and save some bullets for the, you know, more uh, late-inning arm guys. So interesting guy here, and, you know, the Indians are hoping last year, and he's hoping last year was simply just sort of a fluke and that the peripheral numbers kind of point to him bouncing back to more of what baseball saw a couple of years ago. All right, there you have it. Jordan Bastion's all over it. Out in Goodyear, Arizona. We'll check in again with him at the end of camp. And uh, we're getting very close to opening day. And opening day might involve Dr. Smooth. So look out for that. Uh, I want to thank Jordan Bastion for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Cleveland Indians edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.